0: I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I'm recording from, the Yagara and the Turrible people, as the traditional custodians of Mianjin. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. Just a heads up the conversations in this podcast are definitely for adult ears only there'll be explicit language, direct references to body parts, and very non-PG sexual activities. The chats are robust, so steer clear if you're a sensitive listener or if there are kids around.
1: Public sex just refers to sex that happens outside of the home, outside of the marital bed. There's something special about meeting someone for the first and possibly the last time that really creates a sense of knowing someone in a very poignant way.
0: Welcome to Erotic Stories, the podcast where we bring you conversations untying the themes of this steamy new SBS drama series with unfiltered conversations episode by episode. I'm Nadine Schmerley. What do words like cruising, beats, dogging, all really mean? Why do beats persist in a world full of hookup apps? And what's the history of these practices to the queer community? Today, I'm speaking to someone with a huge bio, academic, philosopher, writer, storyteller, Hero Badge, as we unpack some of the themes behind the Erotic Stories episode, Walking Gambit. Hero's writing has featured in The Guardian, ABC News, Junkie, Pedestrian, and many more. Their poetry has been published in Cordite and Going Down Swinging. They've presented at countless conferences and public events, including Queer Thinking, Queer Legacies and Queer Stories. That was actually the edited down version of all the things you've done. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I feel like when I started out, I was um, really committed to making myself sound important and now when I give my bio, I'm... It's much shorter, I just kind of say, I think I'm a writer, you might have seen me around somewhere, I'm a big bimbo, that's that's about it.
0: I like the, the last part. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to jump straight to it. This episode is basically about dogging, public sex, acts of outdoor sex. Um, there's an episode in this series, Erotic Stories, that deals with um, some dogging, I guess, um, and public park sex. Um, And you are my specialist on uh, this episode. Um, Mm -hmm. Why do you think I'm calling you my specialist?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, How much can I say without being incriminating? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, a a couple of different reasons. First being probably that I've written on this topic before. So, I've, I've written a personal essay about queer culture and the importance of cruising in that and I kind of to the side of that have also done a little bit of scholarly work around um, like sexual subcultures and a little bit of research on cruising specifically I would also assume because you know I I practice this so to speak and I'm pretty open about that Um, probably a little bit too open for (laughs) some of my Twitter followers but uh or ex-followers
0: You are very open um, about your experiences. Being a young queer person in the community, um, you're very open and you seem to listen a lot and observe a lot. Um, You're an academic in our culture, which is really lovely and and rare, I think, to have someone so open in academia as well. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your essay?
1: Yeah, so the essay is, it kind of centres on the story such as it is, um, of cruising at a a beach, at a nude beach in Victoria. And it kind of uses that narrative to just kind of um, both explore kind of what's happening in cruising in a kind of literal way, but then to kind of um, think about it in a broader, more philosophical way, like what does the act of public sex Represent in a political sense. What does it mean in relation to queerness, and, and and all of the interesting things that are going on in there? So that that's what that particular essay was unpacking, and it was using this this story. Um, and and so the the story is one day I went to a nude beach with some friends, and at this nude beach there there was a beat, and uh, a beat for for people who are unfamiliar it is some kind of public space where um, people know to gather to um, solicit and engage in acts of public sex. So I was, I was at this beat and it was just unimaginably picturesque. You know, it was the, the beauty of the ocean and of the beach and of this kind of hidden, secluded, natural place where people were meeting not, not so much in secrecy but in openness in terms of who they were and what they needed. And it's, it just provides this really beautiful sense of connection, even though it's often with strangers, um, not ex- exclusively, but often, there's this real sense of intimacy that's created um, in that space. There's something special about meeting someone for the first and possibly the last time that um, really creates a sense of knowing someone in a very poignant way
0: yeah and um did you meet someone?
1: oh I, I certainly <laughs> I certainly met a couple of people. Uh, I guess like in the course of playing, there were all these little things that kept happening. so um the first one being that someone had left a mat out at the at the beat, which um is is somewhat of a um a convenience, uh, you know, uh, if you want to get onto your back, say, and um while I was, Playing with um one of the other people at the beach, um, I noticed that someone had even left a little communal bottle of amyl that was just sitting there for everyone to use and share. That's so um, sweet. So I was kind of I know. It's <laughs> kind of like having this intense kind of, you know, erotic moment with someone while also having this um kind of like sweet, warm, fuzzy community moment.
0: Feeling of care.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. that's a great way of describing it.
0: Yeah. Um, and so You've used several words. You've used cruising. You've used dogging. You, well, I've used dogging, I think. Mm. Is there a difference? Is there? Do you know anything about the creation of the words or why we call them this? Or, or you know, tell me about the language.
1: Yeah, gosh, there's um, a, a lot going on there. Uh, dogging and cruising mean in this context, equivalently the same thing. Mm -hmm. Dogging could just mean sex in a more general way, particularly from a kind of British vernacular background, but Mm -hmm. usually refers to public stuff.
0: Is it true that cruising seems more specifically queer or gay rather than, and dogging seems to be something that you might see, inverted commas, straight couples partaking in a little more, or is that not
1: yeah, I'd say that the, that's a that's a um, a smart way of understanding the distinction. Um, so they're, they're roughly the same thing, but what's changing is is kind of who's involved and right. the kind of practices and history in and around that. The term cruising, I'm not aware that we know exactly where it comes from. There is some slang that we. We um, uh, understand, so, um, an older term that's dropped out of usage is cottaging. Mm. And this is because public conveniences, restrooms, uh, used to uh, colloquially be called um, cottages or tea rooms. And so, this is also uh, from whence we get the, the term, what's the tea? Um, oh, you know, really?
0: Like, wh-
1: wh- yeah, you know, like, what have you heard about town? What have you heard? You know, the, the kind of gossip uh, at the urinal. Uh, so that that's kind of the setup there. And in and in terms of its its history, cruising actually goes back uh, at least a couple of hundred years. Some places in Europe um, actually have beats that are publicly acknowledged. Um, so there might be, I, I don't know, there's some beats in, um, I think, the Netherlands or G- Germany, where they actually have a little sign up saying, "This is a beat. If you see anyone wandering around here, and you know you're not here for that purpose, just you know, no mind you your didn't. own business." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it's like a, a like a public municipal government mandated sign. Um, it, that's definitely not the case in Australia. Um, no. So, what's
0: the case in Australia? What's the Western traditional take on on this subculture?
1: Yeah, so um, the the kind of the, the Anglo history um, of this subculture really revolves around essentially just not having the space at home. So public sex is kind of political from the start. It's about, um, you know, uh, young men in particular not having somewhere to take people home to because they lived with their family or they lived with their wife or, you know, some other arrangement that meant that they couldn't be, you know, open about who they wanted to bring back. And so these spaces uh, start cropping up where people can meet. And first, they're they're non-commercial and they're usually, um, you know, parks, truck stops, lavatories, that sort of thing. And then uh, over time and particularly much closer to now, um, they become commercial. I think the earliest cruising space would have been a bathhouse in New York somewhere in the 1920s or 30s but it it, it takes a, a couple more decades for um, that kind of commercial space to to really pick up steam.
0: We, we um, see a little bit of it culturally. There's that Al Pacino movie, uh, Cruising, which, of course- Cruising, you
1: 1980, know, yeah.
0: Famous movie. <laughs> um, f- of course, has to centre around a murder that happens in this community and he explores mm. this subculture, Um, you know, mm. and suddenly the mainstream is exposed to this idea of cruising and mm. leather daddies and fisting, you know, and all of mm. these ideas pop <laughs> up. Um, Oprah did this expose about men on the down low, Uh, you know, going to have gay sex in alleyways. And, um, you know, women were very scared of their husbands doing this. And then, um, you know, there were some public incidents, I believe George Michael famously being one. Um, What's your take on all of that modern understanding? You know, do you have an opinion? Do you have an insight for us about where it kind of went more recently?
1: Yeah, gosh, where to start? Um, If anyone hasn't seen the interview that George Michael did after getting caught dogging in the park, I highly recommend it because it's excellent television viewing um, and he's an absolute icon. So when he was caught by the paparazzi cruising, um, he turned around to the paparazzo and said, are you gay? And they said, no. And he said, well, fuck off. This is my culture. Um, and I think that that for me has been um, the kind of principle that like that I rely on um, in terms of um, practicing and thinking and talking about this. In 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 terms of the kind of more modern ex- experience, I think that there is a that th- there has been and remains a, a good deal of hysteria about it. I think mm. a lot of that is um, traditionally tied to homophobia and queerphobia. Obviously, queer sex has always kind of been threatening to um, the kind of white, straight, middle-class mainstream. Um, And I think that this took on a kind of new life and a a new energy after the AIDS crisis. Um, Suddenly, gay sex was a lot more scary um, than it it had been previously. And so I think there's quite a lot of that. So, you know, in Victoria, for example, and in several other jurisdictions, cruising is still technically a crime. And um, the policing of of beats um, and and raids on beats continue quite regularly. Um, We don't hear about them as much um, and and there's a couple of reasons for that, but um, beats are are still being raided in, in 2023 for sure.
0: Yeah, so um, in my cultural research, my limited cultural research, I've kind of um, had a look around and I'm aware of a particular bridge in Victoria that, um, you know, there's kind of public sex that happens uh, at Mm -hmm. and I remember sitting in a car and kind of observing what was happening and I was shocked at how often the police drove around. You know, in the period Mm -hmm. of two hours there was about three or four police drive-bys and I was, I guess I was a little bit surprised at how policed it still is. Um, Whereas there are places like um, cinemas, I guess, uh, where they tend to kind of stay away from. Um, But the public sex seems to really be monitored. And I guess that was a really interesting distinction um, that I noticed. And that's something we've seen historically, isn't it, Hero? Like throughout time, queer spaces are policed, are
1: yeah, obvi- yeah, absolutely. There's there's just so much going on in there in terms mm. of it, it's both queer sex that's being policed. It's both the public sex that's being policed. Um, you know, it's not cops trying to entrap straight people who are just getting frisky in their bedrooms. It's it's you know, pointed in a particular direction. Um, and it's also the kind of free venues, uh, v- venues, quote unquote, so to speak. Um, You know, it, uh, commercial venues get raided much less commonly because as a commercial venue, obviously, the cops kind of need a reason um, to go and raid there, whereas like public parks or, or other various beats don't have that kind of protection. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, th- th- there's quite a lot of stuff to unpack there in terms of what's happening and, and and why and there's a lot of kind of ways that we can understand it. One is just kind of simple like prejudice you know like the like a, a government um, and a police force that's filled with straight people just don't get it. Uh, and I think that I think that's you know a, a, a compelling place to start. So uh, Victoria Police have a beats policy. Um, And I have actually seen it and it's pretty mediocre um, just in terms of, you know, the the policy just kind of says, you know, this happens and then gives them absolutely no concrete advice on, on, on what to do or what not to do. So, importantly, it does not say not to charge people, for example, for... Um, you know any kind of rubbish about public indecency or exposing themselves blah 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 the the important thing to understand there is that uh, cruising is is generally like not public um so when people meet on a beat uh especially metropolitan ones and especially if um it's you know during the day um, there's a, a very high degree of discretion um so you know people aren't doing things willy-nilly, they're, they're very carefully checking that everyone that's present is consenting and on board and, and not just a passerby. Um, so the the idea that people who cruise or are at beats are, are kind of um, like, you know, the stereotype of like, you know, flashes, like a guy in a jacket ruining someone's day, um, not at all the case. You know, the, the, the cops really need to get in there. They need to, get you know, try to get into the cubicle or like start rummaging around in some bushes to to, to really get into things. Another way of looking at is in a kind of a more academic way, but thinking about um, what Foucault called biopower. Um, so, the, the state's interest in controlling people's bodies and bodily functions, particularly, you know, like reproduction. And so, it, um, in this sense, cruising is kind of like a challenge to the capitalist state it's kind of like sex for pleasure rather than sex for procreation and it's sex outside in public where you know it's kind of out in the open so to speak rather than hidden and privatized in um the 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 bedroom um and so there's kind of like a an ideological interest in in regulating or prohibiting that kind of of conduct
0: um you touched on something which was about consent and everybody's on board and involved. Um, what are the rules and conventions? How do you know? What are the signs that someone is involved and they know what they're doing?
1: Um, this is a, a great question. Love this question. The the first thing that I'd say is that it's context dependent. Um, so the rules are similar but change slightly depending on whether we're at a, like a public space, like a like a like a park. Or um, a commercial venue, um, and also depending on whether it's um, a particular kind of sex on premises party. Um, So I I can just kind of give a a broad overview. So in general, um, when cruising in a public space, um, the the first rule or practice is is all about eye contact, Um, and so. One of my favourite beats in Nam, for example, it's a kind of a large park, and in the summertime, people will start gathering after sunset, which at peak summer might be like eight or nine. Um, and the beat will be busy until like three or four, and you'll have. You know, 20 to 40 people just milling about this park, um, all kind of parading as if they might be walking around, you know, out for a late night stroll, walking the dog, but in a very kind of small space. So everyone that's there kind of knows already what everyone else is there for. But at any moment, everyone, is, like kind of like a group of meerkats, is ready to be like, oh, yes, we're all out for a walk and then we can all disperse. And so the first, the first, Kind of entry point is eye contact. So, you'll just be walking around in a kind of laissez-faire way, back and forth, zigzagging, strolling. You know, you can't walk too quickly because that makes it look like you're just, you're actually going through. It needs to be quite leisurely. Um, And then eye contact, you'll catch someone's eye and there'll be this look and it's this poignant moment and it seems to drag on for just slightly longer than you might look at someone in your day to day. And then it'll be you know, a furtive glance away and then a furtive glance back. And so there's kind of like this check-in system um, uh, to to gauge people's interest um, and also what they might be up for, you know, like while you're looking at someone and you've got their attention like that, your gaze might flow to particular parts of their body and you might be communicating what you're looking for in that way. Um, And then after kind of both parties or, you know, three or more parties um, have established that, you know, they're both into each other, there will usually be... There's usually some kind of small conversation that happens, some kind of negotiation, and um, that can look or sound like a bunch of different things. But it's it's basically just coming to an agreement about what the, the people are interested in doing um, and any things they might not be interested in doing um, or particular conditions. So, you know, you can fuck me, but please wear a condom or, um, you know... Or, or the opposite, you know, fuck me raw. Please don't. Um, or yeah, <laughs> um, or it'd be like, oh, I'm I'm just you know looking looking to suck tonight, or you know, it, it, it'll be some kind of small, short, brief. Um, usually only a couple of sentences, one way or the other, and then people will will have the fun.
0: And are people okay to just observe? Are there people who are just like, hey, I'm just watching
1: yeah so so this is this is the context thing so usually um at at a beat there it's kind of like a little warren um so it'll be like a bunch of almost like a bunch of different rooms connected by by pathways and some of those will be quite public and well you know it'll it'll be where where other cruisers can see and some of them will be Mm -hmm. relatively more private um so you might want to um have some solo time with someone um, and so you might go to the edge of the beach and find some secluded bushes. And, and um, in practice, um, beets these days, usually all those paths are really well worn. So it'll be like a really large, uh, you know, public park. But on the inside of lo- a lot of those garden beds, there will be like these little warrens, these little hollowed out areas that you can only see once you're inside them, if you know that they're there. So it's like this kind of hidden in plain sight thing. Um, That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean there's but, something
0: about that. These little pockets of I don't know, lust around the place. It's um it's yeah, appealing. And, and
1: and and the fact that it's kind of like a if you know you know situation. Yeah. Kind of like being privileged with that knowledge of knowing where these spaces are and, and, and how abundant they are is is actually a quite a, a nice knowledge to have. I think for queer people, something that makes us Unique is that we're not born into community in the way that um, other peoples are. Um, it's something that we have to find. And I think that a lot, a lot of the queer experience is kind of bound up in this searching for connection, this searching for community, this, this, this trying to be with others. And I think that the kind of subcultural knowledge that's bound up in, in cruising and communicated through oral traditions of, of word of mouth from, from queer to queer um, just kind of really heightens the experience of of, of cruising and of, of keeping this knowledge. A, a lot of people who cruise I've spoken to, they almost speak about cruising in a kind of religious sense. And I know that that probably sounds really strange um, to people who haven't cruised, but there is this really um, kind of holy energy that you can feel in these spaces, you know. There's a kind of there's a sacredness to them. It, it's it's like the 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 sacred grove that uh, only initiates are, are, are taught to find, and yeah. and for queer people, the the kind of the metaphorical nature of of finding this place um, and of finding your people um, is is really rich and really rewarding.
0: That's so beautiful. So it's a generally an oral spoken tradition that's shared amongst people. Um, Is there information online for this kind of thing? Like for someone who's a little bit external to the community, um, let's say someone would like to become involved and isn't in community yet and this is something that appeals to them, are there communities where this can be discussed safely? Um, Is there any other form of knowledge for people that are still learning?
1: Yeah, of course, absolutely, and um, I, I would say if if you don't already have um, a friend or friends that cruise, and if you, like you don't have any connection to that as a subculture, um, I'd say that definitely like reading is a, a really good place to start. You know, do do your research, and there's lots of places online where you can find about people talking about their own experiences or kind of laying down the ground rules. And you, you know um, there are there forums where you can go and find lists of all of the beats in, in in your city. Funnily enough, last time that I was up in your neck of the woods, Nadine, um, I was up Queensland, in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. I was up in Brisbane. Um, the first thing I did uh, after I got off the plane was to go to one of these forums um, and to I was like, oh, you know, where wh- where are the local locals? Um, and to kind of, I uh, got off the plane and uh, checked into my hostel, and then just you know went and said hello. Did at one you think? Yeah. Uh, um, but it was it was such a special experience to kind of land in this new city, and, uh, and you know like not an hour or two being off the plane, and then again just being able to find community like that and have this like close intimacy with someone from this place. Um, it's it's like this, it's like this big secret club that we all get to be a part of.
0: Yeah. The question I'm kind of trying to figure out, I guess, is what is that attraction? What is it beyond finding community? Is it, what, what is it? What, what goes on for you in your head? Like what's so hot about it? I,
1: I think that um, there's a couple of different answers. Um, firstly, I think that the popularity of of cruising and of of beats has never been higher than now at least for a couple of decades and i think that partly that's um a response to material circumstances like i think more people now don't have living situations where they can bring people home to um cuz they've moved back in with their parents or you know they're they're house sharing and so you know they need to go somewhere else I think for um, some people, there is a genuine allure in anonymity and in kind of no strings attached. And, you know, it's it's kind of related to cruising, but it's also kind of related to glory holes, for example. Um, you know, it's, we don't need to know each other. We can just kind of share share this experience. I think in practice, and especially if you do it for a little while, cruising tends to be a little less anonymous than... It is in theory, especially in Australian cities. Um, you know, like if you live in New York or Los Angeles, you know, you you've got such a large population and such a large community that you can probably cruise and always just meet strangers and people you don't know. But um, in cities the size of um, Melbourne and Sydney um, and Brisbane you, and Brisbane and Brisbane, there's of twelve of us. Um, no, I'm joking. And <laughs> and and every other. Every other capital city and probably most cities just in general,
0: there's we, we all know each other, there's familiarity. Yes,
1: yes, you you almost become familiar with the cast of characters that you're likely to see at particular beats, or the the, the crew of people that are likely to go to the sauna every yeah. month. Or the the kind of, Um Yeah, or like, you know, the people who are on the scene and and going to um, sex on premises or kink or fetish parties. Um, there's, there's kind of like a, you know, this cast of characters that you get to know. Um, and that can be really lovely as well, just to kind of like through just sharing this space with people who are strangers at first, you then get to know them a little bit better. Um, and sometimes that can just lead to some really great, hot... Intimate sex, um, and sometimes that can lead to friends, uh, really good friends that you see all the time, or even partners. Um, uh, there was, I recall an occasion where I kind of just went to the beat on a hot summer's night. You know, it was it was it was really muggy, um, and it was like eleven, and I just couldn't sleep, so I was like, I'll just go for a stroll, um, and I ended up hooking up with this. Guy um who was a bit of like mid-thirties, salt and pepper dad, like added shorts, big thick chain, just, you know, absolutely my type, bred in a lab to destroy me. And we had some fun. Um had a lot of fun. Um, and uh I kind of afterwards I was like, oh, really should have gotten his number, you know? Like that was absolutely need a round two of that. And so, I kind of went to one of those online forums that I mentioned earlier and um, they're very like web 1.0. So, like everyone kind of like has an account and they can post a comment, but you can't like reply directly to them. So, in the reply, you need to say kind of like to the person that said this and then write your reply. Like it's 1997. And I just kind of left this comment that was like, hey, if you're... This guy who fucked me under the tree at around this time, you know, drop me a line sometime.
0: A um, very new type you know, of missed connection, you know. <laughs> Craigslist. Yeah. A bit.
1: A, and, and yeah, and just kind of like throwing it out there, kind of ex- obviously expecting it um, not to go anywhere. Uh, for a little while, I thought that it hadn't, you know, like a week or two went by. And then. Like, three or so weeks later, you know, it's still summertime. I was at Fitzroy Pool. Um, I get a message, like, a notification from Grindr um, from this guy. And he's like, I think you asked me to message you. And I'm thinking, like, what are you talking about? You know, like I'm kicking next to the pool. Like, I haven't had a thought in hours. Um, And then I see that it's that guy. Um, And I'm like, okay, and so you know, toddle over to his uh, on the, on the way home, like all hot and sweaty and sunscreeny from the pool for round two. So it, it is often, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so it is it is uh, anonymous um, often, but but not exclusively. Um, right. And so you I can ask.
0: Hey, yeah. look, I'd like to see you again.
1: Yeah, you know traditionally, kind of the rule is that you're it is supposed to be anonymous, and you're not supposed yeah. to make friends, and you're not supposed to ask for personal details. And the reason for that is obviously, you know, in, in early periods where people were still losing their jobs and being cut off, um, not just from their family but from their full, you know, support networks, um, a, a higher degree of a-
0: or being imprisoned. Yeah,
1: absolutely, um, being fined, being imprisoned, being um, bashed by cops. You know, the the whole the whole shebang. Mm. That called for a kind of high degree of anonymity. And so there were these kind of cultural protocols in place to make sure that actually no one learned about you. That's less important now, but some people do value their anonymity still. So, um,
0: yeah, well, you don't have to let everyone into your world, do you? I mean,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Why do you think beats still exist um, when there's so much more access to things like hookup cultures and queer bars? And it, it is a little bit more acceptable now. We're not back in like, year Oscar Wilde days where dandies had to go Mm. and and meet each other in secret places and, you know, we're not being imprisoned in the Western world um, for things Mm. like gay sex or, or, you know, public sex as much. Um, Why do you think there is still a need for it despite the fact that Grindr exists?
1: Oh, um, why do I think there's still a need for it? I think what cruising is doing and what um, Grindr and similar apps offer are different things mm. I, th- I think that the reason that they still exist is simply because there's an appeal to them that other things don't satisfy um and there are um benefits that's a really weird way of putting it but what i'm trying to get at is that um one of the reasons that it still exists is simply because it's fun and it's hot, and it's sexy, and it's a great way to to meet new people and to make new friends. You know, there's there's something that I think is quite unsexy about hookup apps. The kind of the stunted conversation, the back and forth, the getting messages when you can't be bothered replying, the the whole thing feeling vaguely like a chore. Um, and then you know, even when you do find someone that's kind of hot, it's like, can I really be bothered getting up and showering and and you know, going across the city? yada, 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 yada. So it, it has this kind of feeling of like work, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Whereas like just there's something um, that's quite liberating and quite open-ended about just kind of going for a stroll and seeing where it goes. Um, and I think that one of the th- kind of magnetic elements of cruising is that it really cre- creates or fosters um, like a sense of, community or camaraderie you know like the apps can be quite hostile and quite um off-putting but you know once everyone's there in the same space it's kind of like you know why not you know Mm. you know let your hair down push the boat out have a good time um so it just creates a whole different atmosphere a whole different vibe and i i'd also say that another kind of benefit is just that um Consent is kind of built into cruising practices around, like, eye contact, around negotiation. It, it's kind of like training wheels for good communicative consent. And so, I think that often people – like, there's this old stereotype that um, people – cruise because they can't pick up elsewhere, like they can't pick up on the dance floor, they can't pick up on the apps. Um, and so in previous generations, there was a huge social stigma placed on cruising, even among queer people, because the implication was, was that, you know, you you were ugly, you couldn't pull. But I think that uh, more people have realised that this is, not only is this not true, but it's kind of the other way around. You know, like the people who are cruising are probably people who are a little bit more fun between the sheets, um, probably know what they like, they know how to communicate. And I think that all of these things just kind of work together to create an experience that is really often enjoyable yeah. and 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 good and healthy and fun.
0: Can I ask, you seem a little bit Mother Hen um, in, in a little <laughs> bit, of, in, the, in the nicest possible way, you know. Yeah. Do you ever see a newbie at, at the beat and just kind of go like, Oh look! I think I'm just going to take that one under my wing, or anything like that, or is it for like <laughs> you know? Because you've you've given um, this image of community and and warmth and stuff. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah, like, I yeah, imagine yeah. that might happen. I mean, I'm a mother hen, so my immediate thought is wherever I am. Oh, I'm going to you know.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think. I think. Um, definitely. Probably more so in the commercial spaces. Mm-hmm. Um. So like in a in a public space there's not so much conversation happening um, that that would um, be likely. But um, in in a more commercial venue, so like at a sauna or at a party, you know, definitely like, you know, I've given out some handy hints to people. Because a really common thing, especially at saunas, for example, is that like a young queer person might go never having been before and not knowing anyone who does it and they just not get it. And so they're kind of walking around confused, being like, "Why does everyone keep looking at me? Like, why is no one doing things? Like, why is nothing happening?" Or on the flip side, you know, they're they're looking around at everyone quite intently, and everyone is receiving this as, you know, "I'm interested." When they're actually just like literally just looking, and so they're like, "Why does everyone keep coming up to me?" You know, like I, you know, in 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 the the actual sauna at the sauna, I've had a couple conversations with with uh, younger queers about, you know what they're doing right or or what they they might want to change depending on the situation
0: what are the handy hints what are the handy hints you would offer? Um,
1: you know yeah handy hints um obviously eye contact is, is is number one that's kind of your in and then after that i think about um cruising as the art of communication and um it's really all about being able to Read and being able to send very clear signals through the use of your body, and then being able to communicate very clearly and very succinctly when it comes to words. Um, so you know, someone might be looking at you, but they might also sit down in such a way so as to display what they might be interested in the two of you doing. So contextually, you're pretty clear that they want you. You know, they're inviting you over. They want you to do a particular thing, and then when you get to it, you 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 might have a couple words, but then often even um, those, those words might even just be praise or like a hey how are you so it's like you can kind of have this really beautiful interaction just off the base of these kind of physical signs as well depending on how good you are at it <laughs> um so what 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 are the top tips um i'd say uh definitely um you know take it slow think about what you're looking for just because that can help avoid uncertainty Definitely don't be afraid to say no. I think that actually, one of the really beautiful things about cruising is that it normalizes saying no um, for like any reason. You know, um, if you go to a hookup and the person doesn't look like their photos, I think a lot of people feel pressured to kind of go along with it anyway you know, that kind of like, oh, I'm here, I don't want to go through the awkward interaction of being like, actually, no, I'm not interested. But in cruising, um, you know, if someone... A a, a really common uh, practice, for example, is after making eye contact, you might brush past someone as if by accident, but you're you're testing the waters to see if it's it's a, a mutual thing. Yeah. So you can kind of go and brush past someone while you're walking.
0: See if they respond.
1: Um, Yeah, exactly.
0: How do you stay safe?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um, How do you stay safe? Another good question, and I think that the answer is that community, you know, like we keep ourselves safe. Um, So, you know, it's it's a a public space at, at, at night, so, you know, it's always smart to keep your wits about you, I think that in practice, what tends to happen is that everyone kind of behaves kind of like a like a meerkat colony. So there there might there'll be people who are like you know having smoko on break who might see you know someone wandering at the edges and. It's it's really interesting to watch because you'll just see like a group of people like freeze all at the same time and they're listening really intently to see like try to figure out like is this person who's walking towards us are they like in on it or do we all need to like scurry and and you know get out of here and you know I've 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 seen. Um, you know, I've definitely seen a bunch of queers scatter from a from a park late at night, and then sometimes I've also seen the the averse where um, you know an unsuspecting straight person wanders into something that they did not expect to see. Um, I, I, I remember on a on a different um, summer's night, um, there were these guys playing frisbee at like eleven thirty p.m., and so I think we had all collectively just kind of made the assumption that this was, like, a prelude or, like, you know, like an excuse, a pretense for them to be at the park late at night. But, you know, things got going and at this particular beat there's, like, um, a particular position where people um, who want to... Perform fallatio on people, kind of like sit and wait, right. um, and it's in a, in a bit of a more of an open space. So they'll just, you know, they'll ride there and they'll park their bike and then just kind of like wait on their knees oh, right. um, okay. for for people to to walk past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, there was a couple of people who had been doing that, and you know, um, things had picked up steam. So there was, you know, it was probably like six to ten people involved, and then um, we we hear kind of like the the cringe crunch of like footsteps and we were kind of like pause and like look to the side and these two guys who are playing frisbee are like walking past but like definitely not partaking like like um blinkers on looking straight ahead trying not to make any eye contact with anyone um and so the rest of us are just kind of like in the moment, yeah, <laughs> just, like, have, like, having a good time but also having a cheeky giggle about these poor straight guys that have just wandered into this nightmare situation for them. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. Um,
1: yeah, it, it really was. Um, Did you, I kind of so, wish ha- that they
0: were like, all right, we're here, let's go. <laughs> you know, like, freeze yeah, me down. go. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, honestly, I think that one's on them for playing Mm. frisbee at 11.30 at night. Right. I don't know what that was about, but (laughs) that one's not our bad. No, no. If it was a hacky uh, sack, you would have known
0: they were straight, but. (laughs) Yeah, they should have flagged.
1: Yeah. They need their own hanky coat. Yeah. Um, Okay,
0: so I literally just wrote this in my phone um, to to text um, as a reminder to myself. Hankies. Now, once yep. upon a time, uh, yes. hanky code was a thing, and maybe yes. is it making a comeback or is it out? What What's the and what is it? Tell me what it is.
1: I think hanky code has made a huge comeback. Like right, it's in in a big way. Um,
0: so, tell me what is hanky code for those people at home that don't know what it is.
1: Yeah. So the the hanky code is um, or or flagging is is the verb um, refers to the practice of um, wearing coloured cloth or bandanas of particular dyes and in particular positions to to flag or to communicate what you might be interested in. Um, and so, this goes back to the period that we were talking about earlier, where people were being imprisoned or bashed or losing their jobs or their support networks. Um, and so, they needed a way to visibly display that they were queer and interested in cruising um, without you know, letting the authorities know. And so everyone's probably familiar with some kind of stereotype around this, you know, like it's an earring on the left ear or or the right ear or, you know, whatever it is. But um, the Hanky Code is doing the the same thing. Um, So, for example, like the main, I think the main fetish colours would probably be black, red, blue and yellow. Um, So black is for BDSM, blue is for anal sex red is for fisting and yellow is for water sports and um you would wear these on your person usually in one of your back pockets but it could be front pocket you could wear it around your neck or your arm um and that just lets people know if you're at a bar for example that you know you're into this thing and so it can be a kind of a conversation starter you know like if if you see someone flagging something that you're into you can go and be like hey
0: Hey, What's look at good? you with What's your up? fisting yeah. band on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's kind of made a comeback um, in Australia via um, Federation Sex on Premises parties that might encourage their use just as a, a kind of a different tool for consent. And like like I said, as a conversation starter to help, you know, that kind of party start happening. Um, in fact, I went to a party recently um, and they used the hankies as the ticket so you, you, you go to buy your ticket and they give you a hanky and that's how you get in the door. So you need to choose what hanky you want to flag for that evening.
0: Was there like a beige hanky for people that are just like, I'm, I'm just in the wall? Like- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, so there are colours for um, Voya, for example. Um, right. So just kind of like, I'm just here to watch. Uh, and on the flip side, there's colours for anything goes, up for anything.
0: Yeah. I would be so anxious. I would be like, just let me check your hanky colour, running to the door, looking at the list, <laughs> finding which one it was. Okay, good. We're good. Yeah. No, I'm joking.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, you know, sometimes they can even convey quite specific information. So like a a dark and a light green might be, you know, looking looking for younger, looking for older. Um, and you know, depending on what pocket you wear, your your light blue bandana in it, it might mean that you're either looking for head or looking to give head. Um, so it, you know it, it's it's kind of this, um, yeah, this display. Um, almost there's like this like peacocking, this pageantry, um, signs of, and uh,
0: signifiers of sex.
1: Yeah, which which again yeah. like that th- that that feels really queer. Like that it's it's kind of related to that cruising um, experience of sending out signs and reading them, you know, we're almost um, like augers kind of interpreting the, the animal bones.
0: Um, so I'm always really fascinated by things like hanky culture and the return of hanky culture mm. is so cute because we now have the internet and people are so much more open and I'm really fascinated to see us kind of go back to these silent cues. Mm. Um, I guess it, almost like a return to something that's safer and easier without the conversation, do you think we've been talked out? Like we've we've talked about sex too much that now we're going back to using little Ooh. things or do you think it's just more queer and um, retro? Yeah,
1: I don't think that we've been talked out. If anything, I, I, I would probably assume that we talk a little bit less than we used to. So I, I remember I was talking recently to um, a friend who's a kind of like the next generation up from me who works in the HIV sector and he was talking about how like in the in the 90s for example like every time you had sex you would have a conversation about barrier protection um like one, yeah. one way or the other but you would have that conversation whereas now particularly um, among queer people and, and, and gay men specifically um, with so much of the population on um, pre-exposure prophylaxis or prep that those conversations very rarely happen um everyone's, it's almost like a feeling of more in the moment you know Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of done what they need to do before getting to that moment um and which is not to say that people aren't wearing condoms you know like people often are and people still still request it but it's more like if you have something that you want then you need to communicate that but the kind of background assumption is that everyone's just kind of kind of up for it.
0: For people who don't know at home, what are you talking about when you talk about pre prophylactics PrEP, what is this whole thing?
1: Yeah, so PrEP just refers to a type of drug that you take in order to uh, prevent the acquisition of HIV. Um, You know, um, prophylaxis is a kind of protection and and this is why um, I so specifically use the term barrier protection Mm. because in the 80s, Queer people pioneered this concept of safe sex. And now it's at the point where that's been adopted by governments for many decades. But as we've just discussed, um, people are actually looking after their health just in other ways. And so, you know, lots of gay people get up and they do a little blue pill every day. Um, just, just, just briefly, I was at um, a workshop for uh, like, a, like, a, like a medical workshop. They, they wanted kind of community feedback. Um, and one of the physicians um, described queer people as biomedically enthusiastic, you know. We're, we're, I love we're, that. We're, <laughs> we're, we're all ready to to take a pill every day if it means that we get to um, have the kind of sex that we want to have.
0: Yeah, be safe and fun.
1: Yeah, exactly. I
0: love that. I want a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question um about something that we ask everyone that comes on the show uh how do you define erotic what do you think is erotic can you give us some examples
1: gosh big question um yeah I know where to start are, are you looking for more like a philosophical answer about what makes the erotic thing no, or you
0: I want to know about you okay I want to get to know hero um hero Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I,
1: I'm just trying to condense the the list down. Um, <laughs> I, I I love a sense of playfulness. You know, when people, I kind of hate the question, "What are you into?" This this is what you get sent on on apps. Is kind of like, "Oh, hey, what's up? Oh, how's your day? Good, yeah. So, what are you into?" And that's kind of the the jumping point for a lot of conversations on hookup apps about like. Your, your your kinks, your hang-ups, um, what you do and don't like. And I kind of hate that question because it kind of just, it's asking for like a list and that's just like a really weird way to think about human sexuality. And so, um, what I like to ask instead is, um, what makes sex hot for you? You know, like like more specifically, like what is it about these Ooh. erotic things that that really gets you going um, and I think in a really broad way for me and as you might intuit from some of the discussion we've had um, I really love a sense of connection, a sense of intimacy with someone and it doesn't need to be someone that I know but there needs to be like a little bit of rapport a, a bit of back and forth and then from there we can move on to all the kind of fun window dressing stuff you know um, public sex you know cruising is itself uh, a kink is is a, is a fetish. And, you know, so if you are excited by the prospect of meeting a stranger in a park and having a toast with them, then it might be up your alley. Um, you know, for, for, for me, like, I love a bit of, like, a sporty vibe. Um, like I mentioned earlier, that, that, that um, mid-30s babe in the Adidas shorts. I was like, absolutely. Um, you know, kind of uh, long socks, locker room vibes.
0: Yeah, um yeah. Do you like them looking queer? Do you like them looking a bit more or both? Or
1: oh, I am an I'm an equal opportunist. Um right. I I um I love our um, men who have sex with men community um, mm-hmm. I, I guess this is also something interesting as a bit of an aside about Beats is that um, people's sexuality and even sometimes their gender is not actually that important right. so you know you, you don't really ask someone if they're bi or if they're gay the the question mm-hmm. is whether or not you're interested in hooking up with that person in that moment um, and so you get a lot of married men at Beats and you get a lot of um, discreet men which is like the kind of vernacular that we use for people who are in the closet um Mm. so you know or men who have sex with men is this term to describe men who are culturally straight who who have you know straight friends and straight lives and often wives and don't identify as gay but still have sex with with other men um so you you get like the full spectrum of people um at beats um and personally and you're into all of them yeah yeah like i love (laughs) I i think it just Depends on the person, and I think whatever energy the person is giving is just going to decide on the kind of in- interaction. Um, you know, I'm 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 a bit of a um, chaotic verse myself, and sometimes I'll meet someone and it's like absolutely like, you know, I I'll I'm going to sub for you, um, and then other times I meet someone and it's like oh no like, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep the reins in this one yeah. <laughs> Pass
0: over the keys. (laughs) Nice, nice. And actually one more question, Hero, Mm. is um, look, this is a a topic that um, a lot of people might judge you or me Mm. on. Um, You know, it's not a topic that's often discussed. How do Mm. you feel about sharing this information with the public um, and people knowing this very personal, deeply personal, private side of you, um, I guess, what is seen as a personal and private side of you? How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, um, that's a really interesting question. In a way, I think of it as not especially personal. In the And yeah. I, I know that's probably going to sound really weird, but in the sense that, like, I don't think that I'm really sharing anything that wasn't obvious. You know, like, we're all adults. We're all hairless apes on a big rock in space that's hitting up too fast for... <laughs> any good outcomes um so you know like we're, we're all adults we're all having sex so like how much am I yep. actually revealing um the only difference yep. is that like I'd like to have sex outside of a bed sometimes um which I don't know it just sounds like interesting and cool <laughs> um it's not that uh, weird right yeah, because I, I think about this often just in the sense that like um, the kind of hysteria that often accompanies cruising, um, you know, it's like, oh, the, the gays are having sex in the park and it's like, well, you know, like straight people are having sex in their houses that are next to schools, but that doesn't bother anyone. And and this is- Yeah, it two is doors down of,
0: from their kid's bedroom.
1: Yeah, you know, or like next to the church or like wh- whatever thing you want to try to invent moral outrage about, It's it's um, yeah. it has to do with- you know, thinking of some kinds of sex as safer and of some people yeah. having sex as safer or more dangerous than others. So, I guess yeah. the way that I think about it is that I'm actually not revealing anything that's particularly personal about me. Um, yeah. And just thinking of the kind of sex that I'm having is roughly analogous with everyone else, you know? Like, it's, it's not that it's, um, yeah, more you know, it's not dirtier or it's not like taboo, you know, people have sex and there's nothing that's inherently special about that.
0: I love you. I love (laughs) that. um, Like, I know that to you, that must sound so crazy, but it is really refreshing. Um, It's a really refreshing and different view. Mm -hmm. So, it's really nice to hear someone being so open and taking the lead in this conversation. So, thank you so much.
1: Hmm, not at all. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for talking about everything. I, f-
1: I feel like I could probably talk about this for a, a whole other hour.
0: I would love that low-key. But- <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Erotic Stories, the podcast, with me, Nadine Schmerley. You can catch all the episodes of Erotic Stories on SBS On Demand now. And for more of these chats, subscribe to Erotic Stories, the podcast, on your preferred platform or the SBS audio app. Or visit sbs.com.au, Erotic Stories podcast.